Hey, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Conversation Podcast here at McCurdy's Comedy Theater. Uh, this was a really fun podcast. We are in the first week of the new year, 2020, and this is no exception. I really had a lot of fun with this podcast. Our headliner this week was Basil. That's B-A-S. I-L-E. He's a fantastic performer, fantastic entertainer, hilarious comic. And we also had one of my good, good friends, Austin Young. I've had him on the podcast before. He's a fellow comic, and he's uh, still in that open mic range, open micer range. And I really loved talking to him. Got to sit down with him towards the uh, middle of the podcast where we really got to open up. And we started this podcast off a little funny. We started talking about history and war and politics, and then we slowly drifted into comedy, and then towards the end we even started t- talking about drinking and all that good stuff, but this is a really important podcast for me, I really enjoyed it, mostly because I got to get uh, on the inside of Les's brain a little bit, and, and what it's like to really work for somebody who really cares, and it made me realize how thankful I am just for being discovered by him, and having him take me under his wing as one of the best comedy club owners of all time and uh, I can't thank him enough I really don't know where my life would be without Les and Pam and that really means a lot to me and I think you guys are really going to enjoy this podcast I had a lot of fun with it and uh, just a good old fashioned talk and please give it for my guests today Austin Young and Basil To the conversation. <laughs> right now we oh my god. Alright. This is Les McCurdy. Uh, we're in the green room at McCurdy's Comedy Theater. Once again, this is a conversation, and uh, it's just as candid as we could be. Just uh, the comics that are sitting back here having a natural conversation that we would normally have. Except we got microphones in front of our faces, which kind of makes a difference. But <laughs> it's nor- no, it's normal. It's normal. It's normal. You and know, what you're hearing right there is Basil, our headliner. That's Basil's voice. Hey, everyone. And then introduce yourself, please. This is Austin. And Austin is one of our local open micers who's moving up and doing pretty well and uh, just joining us. And Mike, our producer. Hey, hey. So there you go, right. So you said the condo... Uh, you got lost coming from me? Uh, Because I'm an idiot. Because (laughs) it's a moron. It's five blocks, by the way. Is it that much? It is five blocks. I didn't even think it was that much. Well, let's see. One block, two blocks over. Not legitimately three... Like four blocks. We could say four and give you the benefit of four. Look, the only thing that's missing right now is my little helmet that I should be wearing because I'm that special to try and get around. This is the most... I, you get out and it's like one way... And I love when I stay by myself at the condo. Mm-hmm. No one bothers me. Right. No one bothers And you know... I no one talk, wants to bother you. I never, talk, <laughs> I never talk in a third person, but this is the only thing I will say. Basil doesn't stay at condos, okay? Uh-huh. Except yours, right? Yours is the because but it's a nice condo. It's a great condo. It's very. I don't know how to operate the televisions, but I want to work on that. Mm-hmm. You know, because we I'm can help you with that. Oh my God! It is it. that is that is probably our number one thing, is that for some and some people walk in there, click click click, and it's just like. You know, Again, may I reiterate, I'm, I'm a moron. And okay. uh, but <laughs> you're not the only one. I've had people go, I cannot figure this. The the two remotes oh God, and turning the the one I understand, mm. and then the FiOS is the one I understand. But then there was a low battery. 
because I tested the battery in the other one in uh-huh. the bedroom, and I'm like, okay, this is not working. The TV is talking to me, and even the TV is calling me a moron. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> you're so, so you're gonna be the bad. only comic who needs an AV guy to turn on Sports Center. <laughs> what, what are you saying? What are you? Sa- I don't call myself. We'll a send moron. somebody over. <laughs> we'll send somebody over. <laughs> Room service. Absolutely. Oh my Absolutely. lord, so crazy. But you know, anyway, I got here. Hey, what what a fun show we had the other night. Oh, New Year's was really fun. Yeah. That audience what, was random. What'd you do for New Year's, Austin? Uh, I played a lot of Call of Duty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I stayed in my apartment. Um, I'm a very fun guy, obviously. Um, that's about it. And Watch. this is the reason why my wife won't get me a PS4. There you go. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Yeah, you'll I turn it to me. That New Year's was one of the smoothest. I mean, just smooth. I mean, just... And and uh, the, the way we did the the acts and everything it just it just complemented the evening it just seems like the pacing was perfect yeah. and and uh you know went right up to we gave away the gifts the raffle gifts at the end and when we gave away the last gift i think there was exactly six minutes yeah. left before me i the mean countdown. it was just it absolutely well. perfect and you you were perfect for the evening i oh, mean for thanks. that crowd you know because they're over 90. They're so over ninety. No, no, no. That's not true. (laughs) True, not true. But it was. It was. It was. It was just a great night, you know. But you know, speaking of the the gamer, the gaming stuff. My uh, really for Christmas, I get my uh, nephew John. It's out in San Diego, John Taylor, Mm -hmm. and him and another guy several years ago is is almost typical. uh, I I don't guess John's a millennial because he's about. See, I think John's early 30s. What was that, Gen Z? I guess. I yeah. can't keep it up with him. Yeah. Yeah. He might be millennial. Gen Z. Yeah, right in there. If he was born but anyway, in you know, working a regular job job for somebody just ain't his cup of tea. You know, he's done it. He's a millennial then. Unsuccessfully <laughs> here and there, you know. just uh, But he's a really smart guy. Super. So they started a podcast basically – for gamers, right. and it's a lot of trivia. It's a lot of throwback stuff mm-hmm. uh, that you know, and and what you know, and this, that, and the other. Well, they've gotten the uh, uh, now. I think they've been doing it for four or five years. Well, now they're making two or three thousand dollars a month. Wow, good uh, for them. Off of their <laughs> podcast. That's very awesome. It's great. I mean, they're making a nice, a little living. Sure. Yeah. And then I just got a book from him for Christmas. They put together a joke book oh. that's all uh, at gamers video games, <laughs> and it's and the jokes are stupid. <laughs> They're just and he says it up front. He goes, "It's inane. It's yeah. stupid. It's ridiculous. It'll Why are you a, buying this book? It'll sell a billion." But copies you know what? Yeah. What was really impressive to me, it's not it's not self published. It's Simon and Schuster. Oh, oh, that's cute. He's published. Holy shit. He's yeah. published, published. And uh, we were like, wow, man. And, uh, you know, it's a, 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 I'm about halfway through it. I texted him. I said, I'm so proud of you. I said, I'm halfway through your book. I said, I've learned a lot about shit I don't give any <laughs> two shits about. You know, I mean, uh, uh, the language and everything, you know. And, and I mean, there's literally, there's jokes that if you're not a gamer, you have no fucking idea yeah. what any the what it is. You don't yeah. know what the punch even means, oh, you know. Right. But uh, but I, I'm really proud of them because it's just so difficult 
to get completion on a project like that. I mean, right. you got your sitcom, and yeah. I mean, it it is a proud day, even if you never sold it. I mean, just that you got it done. For when you God's when you sakes. complete a project, it oh. doesn't matter. And you know, by the way, I got to give kudos to you, uh, Mike. I I watched your set the other night. Oh, really? Freaking loved you. Really? Yeah. And you know, and the thing is, you are so likable on stage. Even though you come across like you want to slap someone, <laughs> you are so freaking likable. I just, I, I loved it. And and I gave you a line to, yeah. you know, um, use it, man. I yeah. mean, and, and you're gonna have other comics when they see you, they're gonna throw you something. Oh yeah. Use it. Oh, uh, I do. Yeah. So, but getting back to the, the completion aspect. Yeah. Of any project. I, yes. I, I, I wrote a film about my grandfather. And it, it's it's a drama, it's uh-huh. an action drama. Oh wow! And I and my grandfather saved like these nineteen Greek Jews. Uh huh. Uh, off in an island in uh, called Andros in Greece. Right? Uh huh. Well, I've heard. And uh, beautiful island. Mm-hmm. A lot of shipbuilders uh, lived there. Ship sailors, you know, all these types of that for, for years. They you know since the my, since the eighteen hundreds they've been coming uh-huh. out from Andros, right? So my grandfather uh, winds up. Um, finding uh, my dad found these people on a boat passed out and there were 19 greek jews that left the saloniki in greece to uh, you know get away from the nazis that just came in after with along with the bulgarians and they came in and my my dad my grandfather well they didn't know how my grandfather felt but my grandfather for nine months he hid them fed them clothed them put them on an english submarine off the cove of Kipri, which is this one little cove there. And actually, all the while, he was anti-Semitic. Wow. He did not like Jews. Wow. But he didn't understand why anyone would kill a Jew just for the fact of them being Jewish. Right. One so, thing not to like somebody is another thing to want to... To kill. Yeah, to, to genocide. Uh, commit genocide. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So... My grandfather hid them from, for, the Italians just left, uh-huh. okay, and the Germans kind of took over, and because it was a very large island, and there was a lot of ship builders and owners who lived there and everything, they sent a small garrison of troops. Well, the guy who knew what was going on was this young German lieutenant who was not a fanatical Nazi, and he worked, you know, he, he played, he played, he was a concert pianist, too, at a very young age. He, uh-huh. And the kid winds up knowing what was going on, this lieutenant, and never said a word. Wow. Never said a word. And the, and he says, people change in the most dire situations. Yeah. And that's why it's called hidden bias. Wow. I mean, you, that's you, great. you, you wonder, Things. you wonder, wow. and I mean, you know, it's got to be part of any, uh, any culture that goes to war because a dictator decides you're going to go to war, yeah. you know, but you wonder in, in, in that situation, whether it's Nazi Germany or whatever, right. how many of those German people weren't Nazis. No, they weren't. You know what they're I mean? But small. it's like, you either do, the, I mean, either you're either going or they're right. going to shoot you in the damn head. And that's the way it is, you know, yeah. and, and uh, how much maybe that did happen during the war. Only 20% of, uh, ger- of the German population during the Second World War were belonged to the Nazi party. Right. It's the same thing as it was in Russia. Only 15, 20% were actually communists that belonged to the communist party. Everyone just actually followed the party line because they had no choice. And, the, the, and there you go. 
twenty percent because it once you go to the eighty twenty rule, you know, here's twenty percent of of the country became this fanatical thing, Mm -hmm. and the uh, and so the masses eighty percent of the country. I mean, when you talk about just sheer numbers. Mm You know what I mean? Yeah. Could not buck up against this 20%. Yeah. Because they were stone cold, merciless killers. But, but also, but they no, also controlled the military, yes. which keeps everyone in, in, in check. But also, right. leadership, right. too. Like, did the 80% have leadership against that? Was there. Well, they didn't control the military. They don't control the guns. Did they have, and the, did well, they, did the they have anim- interior protests against the Nazi party? No. Oh, no. That's, no, because the Gestapo would get on you. Right. Like, it's sweet. I mean, you got to understand at that right. time, you wound up having um, the military, but everyone got caught up because all the Germans were very upset because of the deal that they got after the first world right, war and how screwed they got. Right. So they were for the Fuhrer, okay, right. uh, Adolf Hitler, right. and they were for him, but then all of a sudden they're going, wait a minute, let me get this right. It's nice that we took the Sudetenland, it's nice that we went into all these different little countries and we took Poland so we can have expansion. Hitler actually did a lot of good. Made the national highway system, you know, right. promise that he was going to do this and that and get people have car, you know, the Volkswagen. Well, he, he gave them, he, he gave a population of people that had been, because of what they did after World War yeah. One, had driven that population into a, a place of, to where they had nothing to lose. They had right. nothing. They that's had nothing. True. And, I mean, that's the same way we see in countries all over the world when yeah. when you push a population into a situation where they've got nothing to fucking lose yeah. well guess what you're going to end up with some crazy shit going on you yeah. know and then they get a leader that pops up there and can is pretty smart and can galvanize some money and start getting them fed again and yeah. the heat and the power back on in the house no and, uh, right. and and get you a job and all of a sudden and, but it's all for all the wrong fucking reasons, yeah, you know. Absolutely. And, and uh, well, you know, it's like a, a, a bit that I've been working on for a while, and I just really need to get completion <laughs> on it. <laughs> but, you know, it comes down to, you know, we've talked about this before on our podcast, but it, it's so, the numbers are so crazy when you talk about violence in the world. And you talk about when you take, when you take, uh, the, the data that from 2016 that I found from some you know reputable websites, right. one through Oxford in in uh, uh, England that, that compiles data, and you go uh, when you talk about violent death, violent death in the world, because most people die of disease, car accidents, suicide. Those are your one, two, three, top three killers uh, uh, of human beings. And then, then you go to homicide and war. Yeah. All right. So in 2016, three quarters of a million people died due to homicide and war. Okay. Right. So there's your killers. I mean, they're, they're, that was the violent deaths, yeah. right? And even if you beefed, if you doubled that number, you know, and put it up to a million and a half, and you, you said out of everyone that was killed, there was a one-on-one, there was one-on-one, a killer... Yeah. One killer killed for everybody that was killed. Right. You know, that's never the situation. No. Right. And then also out of that, a lot of those deaths were due to uh, security purposes. Army, right. police, just being security. They weren't doing a bad thing. Right. right? But still, let's, you're just beefing the numbers up there. So you go a, if you go a million and a half people 
that are violent, that cr committed violent crimes, that committed all the violence that we hear about on the news, yeah. all of it, all of it, million and a half. There's 7.6 billion people in the world. That means the amount of violent people is less than 1%. It's not even 1% of the population. Yeah. So how in the fuck does 99% of human beings allow 1% to do all the horrible shit? How does that even exist? It would seem like that the ma just the sheer mass of numbers, yeah. you know what I mean, of over them. 7 billion people all going, no, yeah. because they're not violent. Right. They're just not able to organize or we're we're not able to organize in some kind of way mm -hmm. to stop it but yet our numbers are so massive yeah it, it's really hard to understand and in the, the same way you go you go when you know when these radical things happen when war happens most of the people in that country don't want to go to war no. I don't think anyone wants. There's no one of us that think well, there, that there, it's the leadership. There's a leadership that is decided. But there are times yeah. that you, you have, have that you have no choice. I mean, can you imagine World you, War II? World War II. If we did not, and people, because I really wonder, would we have won the Second World War if right. we had today's media? But the goofy is, you go back to all wars. Okay, I mean, you go back to you go you go England and France. If you go all the way back to Alexander the Great. Okay, yeah. If you go all the way back to Genghis Khan, if you, those were just those were just leaders that just wanted to acquire land, that just wanted to. They were conquerors to take and and you Make know themselves wealthy. And, and and right, and that was during a time when that's what human beings did. Mm. You know what I mean? Was there a reason for it? The only reason for it was was to create more wealth and power for the leadership mm -hmm. and the people that had to do it you had to do it or they'd kill you yeah so in the in the grand scheme of things were those wars necessary no they weren't necessary you know not totally no you know what i mean uh of course there were times when people were being attacked you know tribes and all that kind of shit but still those massive <laughs> things the uh and then you go to the 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 uh, religious wars, the the crusades. Uh, the crusades. crusades. Were those necessary? Well, fuck no. We know that no. in this day and time. Those were, were not trying to you know trying to branch out. Exactly, they weren't they necessary. Yeah. You know, uh, was you know, and you go, was the Spanish American War necessary? No. Was yeah. the was the was the American Revolution okay for us? For us, yeah. we needed to. We need our to freedom. Separate. They weren't going to yeah, give absolutely. our freedom. Okay, maybe that you go, okay, I can see a justifiable thing yeah. there. You go, uh, World War One. No, we had no business being in World War One. And World War One was was a crazy fucking war that they got into because somebody shot King somebody and it yeah, it was you know what I mean? But but we really did America need to be in there? Probably not. We, we were a uh, Vietnam, definitely not. Korea, no. Didn't need to be over there. Uh, there was, I mean, when well, you really look at all the wars, there were some pr wars that we need, or conflicts that people need to be in because they were simply protecting themselves from mm -hmm. a bad guy. Mm -hmm. Yes, in those situations. But other than World War II, 
Yeah. Where did we really need to be in these fucking wars? I mean, we didn't need to. Be. Iraq was a fucking criminal war. Yeah, it was bullshit. You know what I mean? And the military people that go there, they're doing their job. They're doing what, I mean, I, I love, I mean, they're doing what they're supposed to do. Right. They're doing their job. It's not their fault. Yeah, in any way, it's the leadership. You know, we went to Afghanistan. We're still in Afghanistan. Do we need to be? We needed to get Osama bin Laden's what we needed to get. Well, uh, you know. But the problem was in, in those situations we're talking it about. It just seems awful. The, you know, with Osama bin Laden. Now, could we have taken him out? You know, because the best thing we wanted to do was not create a vacuum. Because remember, we hated Iran more than we hated Iraq. Talking about Saddam Hussein. Yeah, sure. No, I'm sorry, uh, Saddam. Saddam Hussein. Yeah, we needed to get. So what we needed to do yeah. was to have the good guys go in there and take him out, and then you know, because if if we took him out and left, it would have created a power vacuum. Oh yeah, to which allow we, another which we country do all the time. Which is what happened yeah. in Lebanon with sure. Gaddafi Benghazi and all that yeah, stuff. Absolutely. You know, I mean, we know that now in hindsight. Well, but it, you know, I, I just can't help but you know, you know when you when you when I'm working on this and I'm just trying to get statistics, and I don't know, I'm no expert, but yeah. you're just trying to why, and then you follow the money. That's what it is, and Let's you say. keep following the money, and and. You go, you go. It's disturbing that the top, when you really look at the military, the the what feeds the military complex, the yeah. the the corporations and stuff that make the weaponry and the, and all that stuff. Well, most of those companies are in the United States. Yeah. Sure. The ones that aren't in the United States, according to what I've been able to pull up on the internet. Or in Europe. Yeah, yeah. France. Especially. They're in France. Yeah. They're in England. They're sure. in, in Italy. And then Russia, I believe. It, no. Russia no. There is no, in the top 10 oh, okay. well, weapons producers, there are none outside of the United Samsung, States and Europe. Samsung's a giant one. Yeah, they're, they're not, Japanese. Yeah. Samsung is yeah. Japanese. But they're not in the top I, 10. No. They're, yeah, right. Not but, in the top 10. So, but it's, know, it's, it's disturbing. It's, you know... It, and you have said way too much. You're yeah, just sitting I know. There sitting <laughs> so tell me about the remote controls on the TV. <laughs> so, I mean, one usually controls like the Xfinity cable box. One's usually for your TV. Well, you play war games. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Right? What's, What's your it, opinion on this? All right. Yeah. Uh, ten words or less. Uh, you play war games. As long as I can do no scopes, that's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, well, it's, it's the war economy. Like, you're talking about vacuum. Yeah, like you. Once you create this economy, you like that's you can't leave it. Oh, hang on a sec. Keep chatting. I'll go up. I'll do about twenty twenty five. You're gonna do your thing. Yeah, you, is it a two man show? Yes, two man show. So uh, hours fine. I oh. know you like to do even go longer than an hour. Yeah. Well, now I'll. I mean, I'll do well, here's the I, thing: I is do. I think if I think that we're gonna do a little interview at the end, which is only gonna take about ten or in 15 in front of the minutes. audience, right? right? Right. So what I'm gonna do is after my song at the end that I sang, because I didn't do it uh, the other night because I had to cut my time right. a little bit. Right. Um, uh, what I'll do is a good night, and then you come on up. Says, yeah, because oh, I will have going? already explained to the audience we're gonna do that at the end yeah, of the show. They'll know. Fine. And so we'll just do it real quick and efficient. So I would say if you finish up, you know, anywhere between. Eight twenty and eight thirty. That's right. Anywhere in there, That's that right. then then that'll be about right. Do me a favor. This time I'm not coming from the side. I'm coming from right up the gut. So you yeah, yeah, yeah. right to the back of the room. You know, you got it. and you'll see me there. Okay, okay. cool. All right, All brother. Right. Have a good set. Yeah. So anyway, this whole uh, 
political vacuum that we're discussing. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, the funny thing is, I, I get into, uh, I'm a political guy, I always have been, right? So my degree is in political science, foreign affairs. And oh, wow. yeah, a lot of people are like, how the hell did you become a comedian? I was in law school. All right. You know, oh, okay. Yeah, I was in law school. So I'm like, okay, to me, this was yeah. fun. I could talk, you know, have an intellectual conversation with anyone, you know, going up. But for me, I just love, love, love being able to, to talk. I, I, the one thing that's really sad is that the younger generation, you cats, yeah. really did not learn and got ripped off in school about because history has a stupid way of kind of repeating itself. Of course, yeah. And, and, if, and if you guys don't know it and you don't learn it, you're going to sit there and go, how did this happen? Oh, we didn't right. see this coming. Well, you know, fuck, 75 years ago it happened. Yeah. You know, and, and it was like, yeah, but that was 75 years ago. It's, it, war is a different situation. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like the one thing that we always got to be careful of, I mean, President Eisenhower is always beware of, of the American uh, military institution because they will take over because their job is to build weapons and mm -hmm. to sell weapons. Yep. Right? So I'm just like, holy crap. I mean, the... the guy was right it's, on and he was a general he was the head of the allied forces who well, said this it's one of the pitfalls of capitalism in my mind because look okay, i'll give you an example it's kind of like uh it's a little parallel but since they started talking about um automation mm -hmm. in driving and cars mm -hmm. and stuff like that now they're worried if that does come to fruition they'll run out of organs because not enough car accidents, not enough organs to be donated. <laughs> mm. So it's this weird balance. So like, if there's no war, then these companies go bankrupt, which causes instability in the marketplace. So therefore, what's Boeing going to make if there's no war? Therefore, we need conflict. We need something. So you create this fucked up, vicious cycle almost. You know, to me, I've always felt that sometimes people who thought that way was like kind of a negative way Fair. to think about but at the same time you really have to look at, at the numbers and the kind yeah. of the numbers got to prove it that maybe this is the way it's going and yeah. maybe we need conflict my thing is if I could peacefully yeah. like listen if God forbid we wind up getting involved with someone like a North Korea right 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 well then you know China's going to have to get involved because you know North Korea is China's little bitch so we got right. to deal with that you yeah. know and and what happens so you try to find that 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 fine little uh, thing to try and find that peaceful solution because if North Korea goes well you know they're going to go ahead and yeah. piss on on South Korea before they even have a chance right you know to to do anything and you know they're going to it's going to like before I die I'm going to fucking take you cocksuckers with me too yeah like North Korea is like China's shit talking cousin yeah like that just gets China into trouble or like <laughs> no it's, it's a great ac uh, yeah. uh, analogy sure yeah. it's like they're in I don't know. They're always crazy. Like they just have like the most wildest ideas. I think and South Korea is so far removed from that. Well, because it's an open, free society, and stuff it's like right that. next door, though. It's such yeah, a weird concept. But, but, yeah, look, you could say the same when it came to Russia, right? And well, at that time, there was East Germany, which West was Germany. Russian, and West Germany. And you t take a look at the two. Yeah. I have friends of mine that worked for CIA back in the day. Oh wow! And they were t yeah, and they were telling me. I mean, they're old cats, but they were telling me stories. I'm like, Jesus Christ, how did you do it? He goes smuggling people out, taking people, you know, dissidents that you need to get out from that cross from the Soviet Union right. into West into East Germany, then from East Germany to jump into into the West Germany. I'm like, Jesus. 
man. Well, that's what uh, Putin. Putin was an agent in. He was more than an agent. He was the head of the KGB. Head of the KGB during that time. Um, a little bit after. A little bit after. There, yeah, there was a guy who was a head of Russia at that time. Is Yuri Andropovich. Okay. And Yuri Andropovich was actually the head of the KGB at that time. Holy shit. Yeah. And that's why everyone freaked out. When he became... No, freaked oh. out of Yuri Andropov oh, when he right. became first secretary oh, yeah. of the Soviet Union. That yeah. Back then, they referred to leaders of the Russia who were a communist state as the right. first secretary, right? Right. So everyone was petrified. Yeah. Well, then the Russians were petrified... When George Bush won, right, number one was president because he was the head of CIA. The CIA. Yeah. So everyone's going, oh my god. Yeah. He knows shit that no one else knows. Yeah. <laughs> I just sit there and laugh, and I'm like, oh my god, all right. But um, what I'm gonna what I'm gonna do is I, I'm not I'm not gonna leave right this second. Pretty soon I gotta leave because yeah. I want to see what he's he's doing up there and everything. But. Um, I've been dying. I've been really asking my wife, what do you want for Christmas? I want a PS4. Right. <laughs> and I want a PS4 Pro, but we didn't have the TV right. that I need. I needed like a 4K TV or something yeah. like something, you know, digital that was higher quality. Fidelity, I had. Yeah. And I'm like, and my wife, I ain't getting, you know, goddamn, damn PS4. You're a man for God's <laughs> sake. Like, yeah, but I want to play games too. <laughs> you know, because I play my nephews and I'm pretty good at the football thing because I call yeah. it on real quick. Yeah. And I'll call different plays. I know what I want to do. But they, they had so much experience of having to maneuver all these football players. And I'm like, God yeah. Damn it, son of a bitch. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat your little asses. Yeah. You know? So it's crazy. Oh, it is, man. It well, is. Well, it's the, the video game industry, it's like it's dominated by young people mostly because of uh, reaction times. Oh. So like the professionals that play, like right. they, they say, like once you get past like a certain age, you're just gonna slowly downgrade because you can't keep up yeah. with these kids that are super fast. There's people in their late twenties that are past their primes. Yeah, yeah. they say the same thing about yeah. chess players, That's right? Great. Yeah, chess oh. players, all these chess players right. who are brilliant kids. You know, take Bobby Fischer, right. yeah. a chess master right. at age 13, grand right. champion, right? Yeah, grandmaster. He, he grand because he wound up uh, beating uh, what's his, uh, the Russian, um, yeah, Boris Spassky. Yeah, right. He beat Spassky. And that was like back in the seventies when I was a little kid. They're going, well, you know, Bobby Fischer is going to beat Spassky, and they would show like the move of the day, right, on the newspaper, oh, wow. and where they went, and they would show like ten moves that they did, bam, 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 and I'm like, holy shit, yeah. And I'm pretty good at chess, but you know, they they had you know, there's like a. <laughs> They could have checkmated me in three moves, oh, and yeah. it's, it's an impossible thing to do. But it's so crazy about it. But um, that was huge too. I remember like that was just when there was a huge rivalry between oh, yeah. Russia and America. It was, it was a huge like over a game chess match. Yeah. It was such a big moment in history. Well, it was still the height of the Cold War. Start height of the Cold War, right? Sure. So you know, if you really think about that, you just like wow. What was that that deep. hockey movie about the same thing? Miracle. Oh my god, Americans. See, and that's yeah. the thing. That hockey movie. Yeah. Was the way. It was still the height of the Cold War. Right. Yeah. All right. I had a friend of mine, uh, a girlfriend's brother, who was on the USS Nimitz, the aircraft. Okay, carrier. yeah. And when the United States beat Russia, and it wasn't for the gold, they had to beat Russia to get into the gold game. That I think we won against Finland or something like that that we won, yeah. that we beat them. But that game was so important for us because, remember, we had the hostage situation that was in Tehran. Right. Right. And it, it, that was very, very bad. But as soon as uh, we won, we were in the Gulf of, uh, not Hermuz, uh, it, it over the Iranian Gulf over there. And there was a Russian ship that came close to them. 
And the captain says, boys, let's give them the official American salute for us beating them. And all the sailors lined up on one side of this aircraft carrier. He goes, gentlemen, one, two, three. They all took off their pants. Oh, my God. Bent over and waved to him like that. <laughs> right? I, yeah, like the high side, right? <laughs> Between their legs, their balls are hanging. Everything, oh, they're God. showing the crack of their ass. That's to me, but that was, that's the way you piss off someone. Yeah, yeah. of course. And, and, you know, sometimes that's the missile that you couldn't fire. You know, the right. real missile. Right, right. Um, but, look, my political uh, ideology is a lot more conservative than a lot of other people. Sure, yeah. Because I know the intricacies that are involved with the world of, you know, world affairs that go on. Sure. And I worked in D.C. I worked on Capitol Hill. I worked for a Democratic congresswoman, even though it was a right-wing yeah. right uh, political thinking person. I was a Reagan. You know, my yeah. first president I voted for was Ronald Reagan. Right, right, right. And I'm like, oh, my God. I was a teenager. I'm like, I'm going to vote for Reagan. I'm sick and tired of this bullshit. We're going to sit there, play second fiddle, fucking Iran. And, you know, and I've always been under the guise that you never allow a third world country to go ahead and dictate to a first world country. Why do you think no one takes Israeli hostages anymore? Right. Because yeah. Israelis don't negotiate. Once you negotiate, you've opened up that box, that Pandora's box that any two-bit country can go ahead and just fucking drive you crazy, yep. right? You know, so that was always my thing. But guys, listen, um, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, man, absolutely. The, the, I know you probably wanted more of you were ah, no, We got into the political yeah, rant, and you said about. way too fucking I know, much. a little chatterbox <laughs> you, over yeah. here. <laughs> you get me going, I can't yeah. stop, <laughs> So, uh, but thanks so much, man. And listen, for all of you who are listening right now, you can always catch me on uh, basillive.com. That's B-A-S-I-L-E-L-I-V-E.com. Or you can check all of our social outlets at uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, of course, at BasilFans. That's B-A-S-I-L-E-F-A-N-S. Um, always find out where we're at. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, man. Love it. And it's by the pleasure. way, loved your set the other night. <laughs> Thank you, man. I'm just not telling you because I always fuck with you. Yeah. You always do my shirt thing that I do with you. <laughs> but, dude, it, it was just a great set. Thanks, man. No, not a problem, man. Thanks so much for having Absolutely, me. Absolutely, man. Look forward. We're going to catch a show in a little bit here. So. That's fine. All right. But, uh, yeah, we're going to the open mic tonight, right? Yeah. And, uh, cock and bull. It's a weird place. I love it, It though. is. It's a weird it's craft beer, axe throwing. You know what? Someone's always asked me to go to axe throwing. I'm like, I think I'm trying. Yeah. Because I think, you know, I have a hard time sticking a knife in a tree, you know, and it's yeah. not throwing it the right way. Yeah. Right, right. The axe throwing's a lot easier, though. Yeah, because you're yeah. like. And, and they let you use two hands, too. You can overhand it, put a little power into I it. Wanna, I know I'm strong enough, but I just want to go here. Yeah. Just throw it like, you know, feel like a ninja, just like. Look at that tomahawk, so, right? Like, yeah, there's, it is a tomahawk. Yeah. Is it a tomahawk or is it just a hatchet? Because there's a difference. Well, the hatchet Probably is, a hatchet. Yeah, you can throw hatchets, but they're not as good as tomahawks. But I don't know. I haven't seen it. Tomahawks are meant to be, like, thrown. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine the way it was fucking with the Indians. Oh, shit. Dude, that's I'm, terrifying. I'm from, well, you guys probably find it here. I went to an old uh, cemetery that was back in the 1700s. Oh, wow. Like real authentic real ones. Authentic arrowheads. Yeah. It's a crazy shit. Right. Yeah, man. Yes, yeah, so we got that, and then uh, we're. I just uh, we did. We got the uh, the twenty second of this month, by the way, for uh, 
the Badass Cafe. I just got contacted today. Oh, the today. 22nd. Yeah, so it'll be a Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. Need to put the- that's like, what I was thinking. I was like, I, I thought I got another gig or something. Dude, like, you know what's funny? Was. He texted me that today, and like immediately I got nervous. What about the gig? Yeah, because it's my first headlining gig. So I was like, I don't know. I just immediately like all of a sudden I was like, Jesus, why am I feel like I'm about to perform tonight? Like it was just yeah. such a weird feeling. It's like the first time you do an open mic or something. Yeah, and you, well, like you give yourself the time, and like, you're not even performing. Like you, you book it like it. In advance or whatever, right? And that whole time, you're just thinking about doing just it. Just thinking about it. You got nerves. Yeah, it's like it's like a, it's like as soon as the date's locked in. Yeah. It's like fuck. Because now right. you know it's real. Now you it's know it's coming. Real. You're right. you're making your next step up. And I thought I had another month. I thought like I thought it was me in February. Yeah. And I'm like it's at the end of this month, and I'm like ah oh, shit. How All much, right. how much time are you doing? Thirty. Thirty. You'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, I think I got it. Yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah, I'm having Stephen Henry. He's gonna be doing about fifteen. Yeah, he's. And I figured I'd bring you in for ten. Ten, that's yeah. fine. Yeah, and then uh, whoever's gonna host it, I just uh, hope that they don't put up a fucking hundred comics like they did last time. Oh my god. Is it a mic? What is it? It's a. No, it's a it's a showcase, but they they put up like four guest spots one time. Oh. And it was like really? the longest show ever. Yeah. It was brutal, but uh. Because like, and how much time does guest guest? They were doing get? like seven to ten minutes, so it was like. It was absurd, dude. It was, yeah. and then he, and then he That's even close to an hour just in guest spots. Dude, he he had all he had all of the <laughs> all of the spots filled, uh, and then he still was asking other comics if they wanted to go up, and I'm like, dude, who who's who's hosting it? Are we still recording on? This yeah, yeah. Or, we're still oh, okay, never mind. I don't want. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. It, it was just like I was like, wow, like it wasn't his fault. No, he was he's being just nice. being a nice guy. But you can't like. There's a point where the the audience cannot be sitting there for that long. Like, there's no way. Like. Yeah, oh. I mean, we're we're amateurs. Nobody wants to right. It's sit not... through amateur comedy. Nobody wants to sit through professionals that long. It's a free show too. Yeah, like there's no investment into it. Like yeah, nobody's exactly. invested, and it's hard to get them to stay there in the first place. So why are we gonna put up all these people that are super amateurs that are not ones to keep people in their seats? Right. And then you're gonna have me go up and do 25 minutes after everybody's been doing a lot extended sets, and then you know the headliner had a real tough time that night. Uh, I, I won't say who it is, but he, it was just a, I don't know. So I'm hoping it doesn't happen to me like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I hope he doesn't put nah, up that think, many fucking people. I think he should be all right. Yeah. And if, and if not, it's not like a, not to underplay, it's not like a high stake thing. Yeah. You just, you got to judge yourself and how you do it. Yeah. It's my first headline. Yeah, exactly. And I think he'll do all right. I was asking a couple guys for advice on it and they were just like, they're just do the jokes that you want to do. And like have fun with it like don't it's yeah. not a, it's not a make or break moment for exactly. you exactly you got so. 30 minutes just to yeah just to have fun yeah I'm gonna work on some I'm gonna work on my set like that's that's the idea right you know that's the hardest part that was one thing that uh, Damon Wayans was saying to everybody he was like if you're not if you're not working you know even in a show showcase scenario like if you're not still working on your set you're just jerking off on stage yeah. Like, you're just fucking off. You're not. Yeah. Like, everything, even when you're headlining, you should be working on your set. You should be yeah, working try on... Yeah, try some new tags. Something. something. Like, yeah, just make always it. be progressing. Like, with yeah. it. Don't just settle for it. Like, right. Yeah. And that's what I've learned. Like, dude, I'm not going to lie to you. Just... I just now recently started switching hands with the microphone. Oh, really? And I'm like, this is so... Like, I remember thinking, like, why do I think that that's, like, a, like a big move I need to learn? 
Or like you know, like it just makes you look more comfortable. It kind does of feel very weird. Though. It, it is it so weird. So weird. It was so weird. The first time I did it, I was like, I'm, I feel like I was gonna drop the microphone, and the yeah. whole thing was just gonna be a I, shit show. I tried it the last couple of times I did it. Just I don't know. Just yeah. like my arm would get tired, or I was like, I'll try try my left hand. I was like, whoa, what is this? Yeah, it feels weird. It's foreign. Yeah. It's yeah. foreign. Yeah. It's like this doesn't even feel like it's my arm. Yeah. Right now, yeah. like was. <laughs> it's like a ghost arm. Or yeah, something. that's yeah. what it's like. It's like some <laughs> phantom pain. Phantom, yeah. phantom pain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I was surprised how how different it was. But like but like that's just one of those things. Like I remember just holding the microphone in the first yeah. place was, was weird. I remember I, I didn't know how to hold it right, my hand was shaking so bad yeah. when I first ever set that I was just you know, like like in my the, the mic was like so far away from my face and shit. Right. It's just small things that you learn. And and my favorite I remember we did that spot last night oh on God. New Year's, which was fun. It was fun. It was fun. It was fun, but it was like... For those of you guys, well, let, me, let me lay out the scenario for you. We're hanging out at this Kava bar. They have a stage. They're doing open mic, but it's all music acts. And we're hanging out with all these people outside. And they subtly talk us into doing stand-up when there's nobody else in the building. So we're, we're like... We're hanging out with the people we're supposed to be entertaining yeah. for five to ten minutes, however long our sets were going to be. You, but it like, was like... It was such a... Like, we all walked in together... And then yeah. I went up and started doing my thing, and it's like we were just outside talking. I know you guys just could have been quiet for yeah. like five yeah. minutes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and we could have all been sitting still. <laughs> yeah, we could have just been. We could have done the show like outside already. Yeah, like, and it was just weird, and I, and that's why I actually introduced you. I didn't like I wanted to give you at least a fair setup because the guy who introduced me was like, "Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for." Mike Stevens. Yeah. And just, I was like, I had to like give you a proper introduction at least. Just like a music open mic intro. Like, <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> like you're about to do some smooth jazz. Some smooth jazz. Yeah. I'm about to like kill myself to some poetry yeah. I wrote. Like, yeah. So Kenny was, G's about to come on. That's but, what it sounded like. But I was amazed how quickly non-comics were ready to try and give us advice. Oh my God. I had to sit there and just like roll my eyes and bite uh. my tongue and just be like, Y'all don't know what the fuck they were you're like suggesting about. shows for us and stuff. Oh. Like you guys should get up there and like, oh. riff on each other. That was and I was so like, funny. what? No. He goes, <laughs> he goes, what if I put up two microphones and y'all could both be on stage together? And I was like, we're not good enough friends. We're for not. That. <laughs> we're not Jeff Ross and Dave Attell. <laughs> like, Those guys are regarded like, as like yeah. the masters. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, yeah. uh, like let's let's give it some time before. Yeah. I want to get good at just me being on stage first before I start trying to be with somebody else. Like, yeah, so if you funny. guys want to show like that, just yeah. just over listen. Like, oh, just, so funny. Just eavesdrop on our conversation. After and then the show. and then they're telling me, oh, like you know, you were very loud. And I was like, "Well, the room's loud." And they're like, "Oh, well, maybe like okay." And then Austin, you you need to project more. I do louder, but it, yeah, to to an extent. But it's like they've also seen you one time. Yeah. In a really weird situation. Yeah. So to like like that's that's the funny part. I was just like, Yo, yeah, like don't 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 give us advice. Like no, like we're good. You're yeah. Like, let's God. let's see how you do, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you go up there and it, it, see how funny. It's you are. not that they're being condescending about it. No. I think they thought they were trying to help, but realistically, it's like you're just trying to. You're not. We're, like, we're not going to listen to you. No. You're not it's an the problem person. with comedy is that everybody thinks that they can do it. Yep. Because it's just talking, and everybody can talk. Makes it look so easy. Yeah. Exactly. A great comic makes other people think that they could like yeah. possibly have a shot at it. Yeah. And an amazing comic makes you think like I could never do that like, yeah that's impossible like it's weird how like there's a weird disconnect because you'll watch like very efficient comics and they're like well he's just talking because yeah. he looks like he's just coming off the top of his head yeah. no bitch you've been working on that shit for like five years so fuck yeah. you you know what i mean <laughs> like going to 
endless amounts of open mics eating shit having one good show for every ten bad shows like it's yeah. just it just happens and then but it just looks like you're talking out there but an amazing comic like, like a Louis C.K. comes in yeah. and it just makes you want to quit tomorrow oh like for you're sure. just like how could I ever possibly aspire to be like that you know it's yeah. just it's crazy um, and then like I think Richard Jenny said it best he said uh, um, terrible comics are some of the are some of the best influences because you for for up and coming comics when you watch a terrible comic go up and then you're like I could do that oh that's true and then it true. inspires you to be like well I mean if he's doing it yeah I could do that because I first opened mic I was like I don't deserve to like try to be on the same stage as like Louis and Chappelle yeah. and then yeah. I see a guy who's like so I pissed in my pants and I was like well I can do better <laughs> that yeah <laughs> you're like I could I was funnier than that in the parking yeah. lot like, yeah exactly yeah. And that's uh, that's great though. Like I remember that that's what happened to me. I would watch these guys go up at these open mics, and I was like, they yeah. are not. Word, words to the wise: If you're thinking about doing comedy, just go to an open mic and just yeah. see how terrible they are, and then you'll get a lot of courage real quick. But also, experience what it's like. Like be understand the environment because that's what you're gonna have to go through for a long right, time. Right, right. Like you're not gonna you're, get up to that stage. When people say that you're gonna bomb, like when the there's the advice that comics give and stuff. It's like, get used to bombing real quick. They're yeah. not just saying that just for like a cliche answer. They no. mean, you're going to be bombing. Yeah. And you're going to bomb a lot. <laughs> and you have to learn how to manage those yeah. emotions because it does not feel good no. to be humbled. Like, no. When you get humbled, but you learn so much, it's you, like fucking up on the job and like having your boss yell at you. Like yeah. you're going to like, it's humbling experience, but like you're probably not going to do that shit again. You know what I mean? So, right. It's it's not a good feeling, but but there's times where I've actually enjoyed it, like to oh, a the weird degree. Like there's times where I go into a room and we're all bombing, and it's just the room, and it's just not primed yeah. for comedy. And I'm just sitting there with all my buddies, and we're like, the show sucks. Let's all just go one after another. It's like you're just waiting to be executed. Yeah. And it's so much fun to me for some reason. But then the worst ever is when well, I won't go into that. But the worst ever. <laughs> Is when you're by yourself. I think it's like when you or when you're going to a new room, maybe a new town you've never been to, yeah. and nobody knows you, and you eat it. Oh, I know. Oh, that's that's when you, you drive like, all that oh. distance. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a little nervous because I got a show in Lakeland tomorrow. Right, that's it's far. Like, yeah, he says. Is it the Winter Circle? I forget what it is. The mm. Office, maybe. No. That's, oh, that's the bar next to is us. Is it the uh, uh, is it the the comedy um world the world or um. The comedy museum or something like no, that? No, I forget what it is. I got a flyer of it. Okay, but uh, cool. I'm a little nervous about it just because of like, I'm, I'm sure I'll do all right. But I mean, if you drive over an hour, it's not good. It feels like such a waste of time. And then I'm really nervous because I have a gig in Miami. It's like my first real road gig. Yeah. And like, it's only five minutes, but that's over three hours just for five oh. minutes. I told my dad I was, was all it a guest spot? Yeah, I told uh. my dad, I was like, I got I got my first road gig. And he's like, what? And he's like, how much are you getting? He was like, $25. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, you're going to drive over yeah. six hours just yeah. to talk for five minutes for $25. Yep. And I was like, yep, that's, but you know what you should do, that's my dream. <laughs> if you should, like, if I were you, yeah. I would try to work it out to where you maybe, like, can stay with somebody. Yeah. That way, and then maybe they can show you another mic or two, or you could maybe get up. Right. Because, I mean, that is a lot. It's like five minutes, $25. Like, yeah. you're not even making, like, you're losing that immediately. I, that's going right to your gas tank. Exactly. And that's not even, that's not even going to get you halfway back. 
No. And it's like... I'll be out of pocket for that, for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I think it's worth it just for the experience. Oh, the experience, And then sure. get my name out there and everything. Yeah. I'm really excited for it. But um, the, the Lakeland show is Union Hall. I don't know if you've been up there yet. Oh, no. No, it's a, it's a very nice room. It's, yeah. a, it's a bar, very low ceilings. Looks like it's great for live shows. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. Are y'all still typing? Yeah. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Finish up here in a minute. Well, good man. I'm, I'm, I've seen you. I've seen your set a few times. I just hadn't seen it in a while. Oh, okay. So I got to get out and check it out again. Yeah. But Mike said it's come along pretty good. It's improving a bit. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Slowly but surely. Yeah. <laughs> like, so how long have you been doing it now? Uh, since March of last year, so almost a year. Oh, oh, okay. You're yeah. that. You're still I'm very that young. New. I'm very yeah. young, very green. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. No, that's cool. That's cool, man. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just you know, it's you. Nobody until you start doing it realizes how long it takes to oh, develop yeah. material that'll work. Oh, I know. All the time. It's the so time. much more humbling because, like, if you're a, a true fan of comedy, you appreciate it so much more. Once you start it, it was like, man, they had to do this for like, like the Chris Rock, like his, his most famous bit is the, uh, I don't hate black people. I hate, you know, right. word. but he bombed with that for over a year. Yes. And that's his most famous bit. And then you think about bombing just once. Right. And it's like, I have to do this for a year, go up like five right. days a week and Ded just have this feeling. Being dedicated to the fact that, yeah. I know that was something that comic Paula Poundstone told me years ago right. when I first started working. She's a brilliant writer. Right. And tons of material. And she said, if you think it's funny, it is. Right. And if you're, you know, if you're putting it up there and it's not getting laughs yet, it's not that it's not funny. Mm. You're just not, you just haven't developed it right r correctly right. to make that laugh happen. So don't, she's like, don't, you can put stuff by the the side sometimes, mm. but she goes, don't abandon something that you really think is right. funny. You know, it, it can get there. Yeah. But you know, it's like one of the things that I've seen over the years with people that, and oh, and I back up and say, I love the fact that we've been teaching comedy here for 30, you know, mm -hmm. 32, 33 years in yeah. this town. And we, we figured somewhere, we're probably somewhere around six or 7,000 people have gone. So that's yeah. six or 7,000 people, for the most part, that live in this community mm -hmm. that have, that aren't just fans, right. but they understand right. comedy in a much more sophisticated way. Right. And because they understand it from the stage forward, right. their friends do too, because they've yeah. told right. them about it. So it gives us an audience here in town that's really you savvy. Know, savvy. For real. Yes. This like, is one of the... I'm always impressed of how good of an audience is here. Every show that I've ever been to, I'm truly like amazed. And then like how... like like such a good community and this is so well known in the community McCurdy's I see flyers from McCurdy's everywhere any restaurant or store golf course anywhere you well, it's, go you'll it's see also flyers huge for. amongst it's, the industry too like yeah. every comic I know like this is the hardest room to get into I think right. and it's because it's like the Harvard law right like we only get you only get so much prestige by how many people you turn away well, I mean, it's you know just I mean? a—it's a great room. We're great. Yeah. We've been here for it a is. long time, and we've developed a, a great room with great audiences. It's fun. It, it's, it's the fun. comics are treated as well as we can, and we're not the only ones. I mean, no, no. there there's several clubs, and but I think we're one of the best. Yeah. But but there's de definitely. Uh, but I tell you, when you talk to tour and headliners, 
they're not going to sit there and rattle off a ton of no. clubs yeah. where they get treated, where all the elements, every aspect of you going there is good. Right. Exactly. From the accommodations to how you're treated to the the facility itself to the sure. employees that they're dealing with to the to the audience that comes in. I mean, it, it's uh, it's it, and the thing is, any city. Any good comedy club can make that happen in any city, mm. it, but there's a formula to it, and it takes a while, yeah. you know, to yeah. build it up. But I was going to say that the uh, the thing that I will see with comics when they're first getting started, you know, is that that they'll, you know, they they develop a few minutes that works enough that works enough that they're getting mm. on stage and getting laughs. So right. they're getting enough candy that they're like excited about Mm -hmm. it you know what i mean they're bit by the bug and you know that feeling you know is just incredible and then they start working on it and a year in they've got five minutes or maybe seven that that they can depend on they can depend on and then two years in they got 10 or 12 god if they've really they've really going good maybe 15 you know for the most part every once in a while you'll get that you'll get that almost that prodigy that that yeah. jumps out faster yeah. but for the most part that's kind of common but then they're two years in and they're going i'm two years into this sport and i got 12 minutes yeah and they start to realize how long this is going to take right. to get to a level where they've got enough material to actually go and work professionally make no money even at that level but even to get in as a professional and then the amount of time it's going to take to actually get to headliner Mm -hmm. and get work you know you're talking about for most part i think you're talking about minimum six seven years to ten is kind of kind of a ten's kind of a common number when you talk about develop and then get the work get the work you know what i mean and uh, I tell people, I go, it's about how long it takes to get a doctorate degree. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And I see so many people bail after that second year. Second year. They yeah. start to That's fall I'm off. In. I'm in my second year. And they, because they're just like, because to me is, a, is a, what I tell them. I go, if you do this with the same passion, the actors and dancers and singers uh, and musicians do what they do because they just love it not because they're ever going to make much money at it not that they hope they don't not that they think that maybe they could but that's not the reason they just absolutely love it and they're going to do it forever because they love it if you're a comedian and you and you have that mindset i think you got a chance at sticking with it long enough you know to maybe something but if if you're in it because you're like oh man in two years, I'm going to quit my fucking job doing that <laughs> shit I hate, and I'm going to be just doing co- frustrated. Yeah, you know, kind that, of. That was that's not going to be happening soon, but yeah, it's if you're in it for the wrong reason, yeah. almost like the fame reason. No, like you're trying to. I mean, it's not bad to have that as a goal down the line. Yeah, that's but, great. You but if that's, if that's the it. only, if it's make or break that, I feel like it's yeah. very, it's daunting. And you put like a two or three year yeah. timeline. Yeah. I mean, when yeah. I first got into it, me and Ken Sons were a comedy team, and we were both like, you know, I was, I had a theater degree. Right. Ken had a degree in special ed and elementary ed. We, I mean, we felt like, hey, we're smart. 
We're, we know what we're doing. I'm trained in theater. You know, we've watched this. We can figure out some unique things. And we really, like, we really truly felt like we could get on, like, the Tonight Show yeah. in a couple of years. Right, right. Okay. Like, get on the Tonight Show, <laughs> not just headline. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, we were so fucking stupid. <laughs> but, you know, but yeah. we were... I, a lot of that just kept us going yeah. uh, initially, you know, thinking we were a little better than we were. Did you ever run into, like, the, the delusional... I mean, I'm sure you had, obviously, the, but the delusional comics where, like, it's almost like... It's like they they don't understand how bad they are. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, it, oh, of course. If, you, well, you, if you've seen like The a, Joker recently... It's a form... <laughs> I right. haven't seen that Oh, yet. that's... Um, so he wants to be a comedian. Uh-huh. That's his whole dream. And then he goes to an open mic night, and then he thinks he crushes. And then somebody was filming in the audience, and then they play it on a late night show. And then it's just him bombing and doing terribly. And then they just make fun of him the whole time. But he thought he did amazing the yeah, whole it's, time. <laughs> yeah. I just don't know how to. Is it a form of like. Delu- is it just delusional? I can't tell because I've seen it's, it's been illness. happening more and more. Well, you know, the thing is, I've. I've told comics before i said i think in the beginning you almost have to have a false sense of self you almost have to believe you're better than you are or else you just quit it's depressing it would be depressing you know what i mean so i think that in the beginning you know what i mean if you're just getting chuckles right it's a laugh you you made a laugh happen and that and and you can feed off of that and to you you know, let's say you, you go up here on open mic night and there's mm-hmm. 40 people, which is, you know, in yeah. the place, which is a big crowd in our yeah. in our lounge over there. Nice crowd. And say that, you know, you do your five minutes and out of that five minutes, you've got, you know, 10 or 15 attempts at a laugh. Right, right. And out of that, seven or eight of them, half, at least half, get a reaction. Right. You at least, and now maybe it's only four or five people that actually laugh out yeah. loud. But you on stage, I think the act on stage goes, I got, I got to laugh. Right. right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're not looking at it from the point of view of, yeah, you got five people to laugh out of 40. They're like, I got to laugh. They got a laugh. Right. right. And that is enough. Yeah. And if that happened 10 times, they would think, oh, I had a really good set tonight. Uh, now to us out here, we're going, mm, not really. Right. Exactly. You really had you know, one of the things I see on that, but I think sometimes it'll keep you going. That's true. Yeah. It'll, it, it'll, you know, it feeds you enough yeah. that that you believe you're better than you are. So it keeps you, it, it keeps you in the ball. Keeps you elevated a little. You bit. know, yeah, just a little tiny bit of that is uh-huh. good. But I mean, there's some people where they'll go on stage for like five minutes and they won't get a single laugh. Like you won't even see people, but then they'll get off stage and they're like, I oh, man, I crushed. So like, I don't, I don't know about that. Yeah. That's but, a, yeah. yeah, that, you, that's, yeah that, that's a little bit of a mental illness. That is delusional. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, well, you know, the thing I've yeah, that's totally like yeah. you're, that person is going to have a tough time getting better. Right. Yes. Because they're not, because they're not even understanding. No. It's like nailed what, it. <laughs> they're, they're not understanding that they have a lot of work to do. Sure, yes, right. exactly. You know, and, and and willing to do the work. Yeah. To get yeah. better. What I see lots of times is is a person get uh, act gets to feature act middle act, and they're they're good. They're a good middle act. Right. And then they come to me and go, I'm ready to headline. Mm-hmm. And because in in their mind, that you know, 
they're middling doing 25 20 to 30 minutes right and they they go i have headlined one nighters mm-hmm. uh b rooms sure. things like that so i know i've got the time sure. you know what i mean so i want to headline your room what they don't understand is the power of the laughs they get mm-hmm. compared to the power of the laughs that a true headliner right. gets mm-hmm. is they can't hear that. No. And what I've done several times when somebody's been really adamant with me was that I'll tell you what I'm going to do because it's a great, I'm going to, you're going to work here this week. We're going to tape all your sets. Mm-hmm. And I'm also going to tape the first 10 minutes of the headliner. Okay. And what, and I'm going to put it together. I'm going to put your last, your closer where you just kill. And I'm now going to put the first 10 minutes of the headliner in there. I want you to hear the difference of the oh, volume like, yeah. of the laughter. Huge. It is, and they don't hear that, whereas we do. Mm-hmm. We stand in the back, and you go most of the time. When a feature act goes up and does really well, and they do, and they get great laughs, but that headliner goes up, and within five minutes, they take they take it to oh, another nice. level. That's their you job. Know? Yeah. And... That's where I go, see, I need to hear that level of laughter in your set. Right. right. You know, and you, and what happens in that situation is, is that that's when headliners will start saying, they start going, wow. When a headliner goes, wow, that yeah. guy is good. Like, they're sitting there going, whoo, I got to work. You know, I got to up my, I mean, I got to, I, I I, I, I better not be back on my heels because this guy right here brings it, and yeah. I need to jump right out there and bring it. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, Let's have that, that happened a few times, right? With like, I think you were talking about Mike Rivera. Yes, where he was like just shutting down. A couple he was of the head- kill- Well, Mike Rivera, and I've had a few people do this. You know, have gone up and and they just they destroy the room, and then I tell them, I go, you, I have to tell them, you can't come back here as a middle. Because I go, it, yeah. it's it's yeah. not fair to the headliners right. having to follow you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I would have to only book you with super high energy headliners. Right, right. right. You know that that can meet your energy, which means less work technically. Right? You know, kind of a thing. And uh, yeah, but you know they're they're ready to go. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of who I had in here last year that Jay- that was the case. The the headliner came to me. Oh. Is it JB Ball? No, it no. wasn't JB Ball. I think it was whoever. I want to say it was whoever was opening for Eric Meyer. Oh, Bill, Bull, Ose. Bill I can't Ose. remember, but whoever it was was doing really great. Yeah. I mean, was really doing great. Mm-hmm. And of course, Eric just. But he's he just kills yeah. kills. kills. But he's got a little insecurity there too, yeah. you know, and that's the way uh, 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 Mike was. And uh, and he was coming back to me going, fuck, Les. You know, da, da, da. I said, you'll do fine. Yeah. <laughs> he just goes Eric fucking Myers. Just fucking kills him. Yeah. You know, but... Uh, that keeps him on his toes though, I feel like. like I'm, mean, yeah. I'm glad that he thinks that way because that means he's never resting. Well, I know we've said this in the podcast before, but, you know... I think that one of the things that I remember that I experienced was moving from opener to middle was not a big step. It was just more time. Right. 
It's just I developed more time. So, but it wasn't a big step. It wasn't. There was no pressure mm-hmm. on moving from being an opening act to a middle act. More time, and you're making more money, and everything was, you know, da da da. So I thought moving from middle to headliner would be the same thing. You know, once I got the time, da da da, I was ready. You know, it'd be. But man, when it didn't hit me till that first year that I started headlining, and there were some gigs all of a sudden where either everybody sucked in front of you. Like you walked up, you're sitting there and you're sitting in the back of the room, opening act is struggling. Middle act gets up there struggling. And I'm sitting there going, I can't struggle. Right. Yeah. I can't. No. Now the both the opening and the middle can have excuses and yeah. blame it on this, that and the other. I go there's no excuses for me. No. I'm the damn guy. Yeah. And so, or you're sitting in the back and the two acts in front of you slaughter. Yeah. Kill. And then you're going, I have to be better than that. Not the same. Not the same. I yeah. have to step up above it. And so you go, man, that's, yeah, I did not, you know, realize how stressful yeah. it was getting in the headline and knowing that you're the show mm-hmm. you're the show you're what everybody's depending on yeah uh and it took a t- took a couple of years My to get God. some confidence in right. that right. you knew you could take a bad you knew you could take a bad crowd and w- make something out of them That's or the you thing. could take a great show and and make and better and make it better yeah yeah, yeah. but that's, that's uh, the headliner like that's what makes a headliner. I feel like, yes, you know? yes, absolutely. That's the bread and butter, right there. Absolutely. It's like in music too. I assume it's yes, like somewhat similar. Like if you're the closing yeah. act, you can't fuck up. Like oh yeah, like they'll riot. <laughs> like oh yeah, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Music venues are even scarier. Oh, right. Yeah. Do you we remember? For uh, this? Do you remember what happened in Ontario? I think I think it was a uh, was it not ACDC? It was um uh, Ontario Guns Canada and, or Guns Ontario California? I think it was Canada. Canada okay. and uh, like Guns and Roses or something like they uh-huh. they're uh, the lead vocalist his, his oh, vocals Axel. weren't right oh. and uh, forget the other band that was opening for him but they they did the whole show and then they canceled they were like well sorry uh, Axl Rose can't sing or something like that and they fucking lost their minds they burned down the place like they, they just, just they, rioted literally like, right that's terrifying like, huh no it was back when they were prime I think but uh <laughs> that happened but that's in Canada too. Like, that happened in in uh, Chattanooga back Ooh. now. Of course, this was kind of teamed up with the civil rights movements oh, okay. in the late '60s. There was already unrest Tension. and things yeah. like that. But we had at the auditorium there. They had I can't remember who the actors, but it was somebody like James Brown or Wilson Pickett or somebody. Same thing. They got sick, and and that was back when people bought their tickets cash. Right. right. You know what I mean. Yeah. So what happened was everybody shows up and they go, the show's going to be postponed. They didn't say, you know, it's canceled tonight, but it's going to be, hold on to your tickets. Well, a lot of these people are low-income people. And so they're sitting there going, it's Saturday night. Yeah, I'm sitting here with a ticket worth $25. Back then, that's what it that's used to be. Lot, yeah. But still, I'm sitting here with a ticket worth $25. I want my $25. Yeah, You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 Saturday night... I was expecting to do this. Now I got to do something else. I want my $25. And they're like, we can't refund. We don't have the money here. We can't refund all the tickets. And they fucking rioted. Yeah. And burnt shit. That's, and that just went crazy, you know. Terrifying. But, uh, 
But you know, as you like saying music, you go, it happens every once in a while, but it's rare that you go and the opening act, which half the fucking crowd don't even listen to, sure, yeah. blows the headliner like the yeah. headliner can't follow, right? You know? Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and every once in a while that happens. It does happen, know? yeah. But it's, it's not often. It's usually at festivals. I find out because there's so many acts, so it's like yeah, oh yeah. When there's just so many things, like right. you'll have like so many different types of like audience members. So like they'll be like, I don't know, they were great. They weren't so fucking. I remember great. way back, and I'm going way back when I was in high school. Yeah. Uh, the birds came to Chattanooga, and that was oh, Eric wow. Clapton. The Yardbirds, or just the birds? Oh, the birds. Okay, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and of course, British band, super famous, yeah. hits on the radio. Right. But, they're, you know, they're, they're eclectic rock, kind of, you know. Kinda. Why in the world they picked this band to open for them in the <laughs> South? The Goose Creek Symphony. And they, never heard of them. Never <laughs> heard of them. But these guys were kind of a, uh, a country rock before right. that had really uh, happened right. and so they were they were country but they were high energy and they oh, kind of had a co- southern rock kind of thing about them with and they and they were great and yeah. they and they had mandolins and banjos and great guitar players and fiddles and all that stuff but with a rock vibe to them wow. and they just and they just they just tore the roof off that oh, place yeah. and oh, then fuck. here come the here come the birds of <laughs> you know, and then people are like, ah, yeah. and half the crowd fucking left. Damn. And these guys, crazy. I mean, they were all, they were awesome. That's they were yeah. famous, awesome. famous. It was just a bad fucking Ugh. pairing, you yeah. know, well, yeah. in that market. You That's know? another thing about like learning how to build a show. Like yes. in comedy and in music. Yes, like, putting like, the right people in front of sometimes something you, that compliments. Right. You right. know. Because sometimes you think like, oh, he's funny or she's funny. And then this person's really funny, so there you go. And it's like, nope, not necessarily. Yeah, right? two like, different styles of humor. Or right. Or, right. or especially when you have a clean headliner and right. you put you put the two acts in front of them yeah, that, are, that that use a lot of profanity. And it, right. it's like, well, that's... Or, or, or vice versa. Right. Or vice versa. You know, kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But... That's what makes it good, like, you know... I, I, I think Bronwyn's pretty good at that, right? She, like she knows how to put a show together. Well, Bronwyn and I, you know, we over the year, over the years, you know, uh, uh, as as I beca- as I got to the point where we were, you know, I think about at the point where we were 25, 26 years in, right? You know, and, and uh, you know, I was getting into my mid fifties, mm-hmm. and I was at that point where I was like, I know that I want to start moving more towards not having to be here. Right. Okay. You know what I mean. Not yeah. having to be here. Sure. Pam didn't want to have to be here. Yeah. You'd, you'd been you'd been doing this for a long fucking time. Yeah. And of course, Bronwyn and Marcella are totally capable. They're wonderful. And, and then the whole support staff we have underneath them are all awesome. The whole team here is great. And there's a reason for that. That's the kind of people we hire. That's our right. expectation. And and people like working here. You know. But um, but with Bronwyn over. There was, it was really nice to start to go, you know, me and her can sit down and we go, okay, we're ready to start booking. And, and I'll go, pull up everybody that we like mm-hmm. that hasn't been here right. in over a year. So there's okay. that group. There's yeah. those names. Sure. And then I go, okay, who have we been talking about booking 
that's been trying to get in here right, right, that right. we haven't given a week to yet. Yeah, yeah. And then we put those names down. Yeah. And and then and then uh, we kind of and then we go through the names and we we both agree on yes, 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 yes. You know, and it might be oh, those are good for season. These are more for the summertime. Sure, yeah. Those for the off season, yeah. you know, and, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And then we always know that there's going to be at least 12 to anywhere from 12 to maybe 20 uh, celebrities. Celebrities, right. They're coming in on the weekends, you know. And then, so I handle the celebrities still because they, they're under big contracts that I just have to go. But more and more, and then Bronwyn books them. Yeah, exactly. She puts the dates down, and she right. books all the middles, yeah. you know, and uh, which is wonderful. Yes, yeah, You is. know, because, uh, you know, I mean, I would love to get to the point at some point in time where she probably books everything. Right. You yeah. know, I mean, we talk about it, but... Yeah. Uh, you know, he just just handles the whole deal. Uh, yeah, you she's know. great. Oh, oh, they, they. And she started as like a bartender here, right, or something like that. No, okay. Bronwyn. Bronwyn Marcella did. Marcella okay, started right. as a waitress. That's what I thought. Yeah. Marcella's done everything here. Yeah. Uh, but Bronwyn, um, she went to high school here. She um, is from her family's from Wales. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. And so after, so she'd always gone back and forth as a kid, you know. Right, yeah. And so when she got out of high school and everything, she moved over there. Right. And started working for a, a comedy clubs there called Jonglers. Oh, okay. And I think they're still around. But Jonglers were like the improv here. There's, oh. a, there's a bunch of Jonglers. Right. right. You know, they're it's corporate comedy. Right. You know, they're, they're a, you know, it's they a have chain. a, yeah, yeah, it's a chain. And so she started working for Jonglers, and then she got involved in the Edinburgh Festival, and she was working for both, you know, doing both things. And then, sadly, her sister got cancer. Oh, shit. And breast cancer, I believe, and and ended up dying from that cancer. And so when her sister got cancer, who was married and had two kids and this, that, and the other, um, Bronwyn came home. Uh, to help out and da 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 and, and help with his, her nieces and uh, so when she came home she was kind of looking around for something to do and we were we were hiring and she popped in and wow. that's and I, an impressive resume too. Uh, and Pam <laughs> something about when she first came in I don't know I don't remember what the story uh, Bronwyn and Pam know it better you know that I don't think it clicked immediately oh wow for some reason, I don't remember why. I don't know if it was she wanted full time and we only had part time, sure, or yeah. maybe we weren't, weren't paying enough. I don't, I don't know what what it, what it was, but there was something that it didn't click immediately. Sure. But then, as as soon as she got in the door right. and start within, I think within a very short time, months. Yeah. It was like. You know, oh, yeah. we got we found we found, we found somebody it. really. I hope she stays. Yeah. You know, and we didn't know if she would or not. She didn't intend on it. She wow. told us from the very beginning, "I'm here to help with my sister and daughter." And of course, at that point, the hope was she would make it. She would beat it. 
and um, and then I think her intent was to go back right, right. to England because she loves London and loves it over there. And uh, nope, we got lucky and kept her. And I say Marcella just developed through the system, you know. Well, the big thing with Marcella was was that she, you know, when she first started here, she's a server and she was still partying and da da. She was just like you know, and then she got to the point where she went clean and sober mm -hmm. and when she went clean and sober uh we weren't comfortable her working in a liquor environment we wanted her to be successful at it mm -hmm. yeah. and so we let her work daytimes but oh, we, like phone calls and stuff yes but but we had a strict rule with her by five o'clock she had to be out of the building ah she had to be no temptations yeah, yeah. she had to be gone and uh, then she got to the point where she was like, you know what? She'd been clean and sober for a while, a couple of years or something. And she was like, I can handle it. I can handle waiting tables and it's not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna backtrack now. So she went, we let her start working nights again. And you know, it just morphed into, That's amazing. Uh, you know, we needed, we decided we wanted a manager. Pam didn't want to have to be here all the time at nights. We were looking for somebody to train and um, she stepped up, and damn, she's just great. She's she is, born. and the fact that you guys cared like enough to just do that for her, like, well, I think I that's mean, awesome. Like, you know, we we, we cared, so but I mean, also she had to she had to be someone that was working hard enough in her life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You don't. You know what I mean? To yeah. where yeah. you know we felt like you know she she deserved it right sure she yeah. did deserve she's gotta it. make the effort herself oh absolutely absolutely yeah. and she's been good about being clean like it's crazy 13 14 years i think right? oh god yeah it's oh, amazing awesome. absolutely and i just actually recently quit drinking um not for any particular reason i honestly just got tired of feeling like bloated and uh -huh. shit. Uh -huh. <laughs> like beer and shit like i just got tired of feeling right. like shit and then i realized how much like freedom i had with not drinking right like i love driving for some reason like right. i love being able to just go right like yeah. if i want to go to the next place i can go to the next place right and then i realized i didn't need alcohol to have fun with all my friends right they might needed it but i didn't really need it no nah. <laughs> and then i had like a beer you guys would laugh at me i had two beers on christmas eve with my family uh-huh pass the fuck out <laughs> Like an old man, like I fell asleep. Like I just ate all the pie on Thanksgiving, and I, 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 they were like making fun of me. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like my my seventy two year old uncle's like partying until three o'clock in the morning. I'm just <sighs> passed out on the couch. Like it was it was hilarious. Yeah. Are you do you are you not much in now? Not really. I mean, I'll drink occasionally, but yeah. not. I've only blacked out once. Um, <laughs> I, I it was had little bits of like. You went to coming college. together exactly. Yeah. So I was. I just remember. I don't remember why, but I was peeing out a window, and then a, <laughs> second later, story or first story. Sure. No, and then later, just a cop was there, and I remember he was talking to me, but I don't remember what he was saying. And then I woke up in my own car. <laughs> I was like, so, like that was the last time I went really hard. But I was like, other than that, I, I it's never really fancied me that much. Right. Yeah. Right. No, nothing really does. I'm. I'm so boring. Yeah. I don't. I like nothing really much. I'm so boring. <laughs> I, I like wish, yeah. I like the protagonist weed. I've always liked weed. I don't yeah. know what it is for the creative soul. Like it's, well, it, it it you know it doesn't make you feel bad. No, like alcohol. Dude, you know, yeah, I, it's such a depressant alcohol. It's like yeah, it can't you know be. I've I've been around alcohol for so many years and was a bartender and I and I did my share of drinking, hard drinking. Yeah. Uh, but you know there really I would say probably. 
by the time Taylor was born, you yeah. know, you talked about uh, that which I was late thirties by mm-hmm. then, you know, just, and, and by then the only time I was, I mean, I'm a beer drinker right, and, right. and I'll, and I'll drink wine and I like nice wine, but I tell you, that's what gets me drunk. Wine. It's fucking wine. Really? <laughs> God almighty, you know, because same it is, if the rare, I like a good bourbon or a good, yeah. a good yeah. whiskey. But I drink it straight. I drink it neat. Yeah. You know, so rarely will I have more than a glass. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like a, sure. a, you know, a two ounces sip on it. Two would be like yeah. max and right. a couple and a few beers. Uh, but but that and that and that's rare. So it's not like with whiskey, I'm going to sit down and drink six or seven. Yeah. But with wine, yeah, <laughs> you can sit down and all of a sudden, you know, they're pouring this nice red or white wine and it's really wonderful and you're just kind of drinking it, you know, and it's going down so easy. It does. And all of a sudden you've drank five or six glasses, <laughs> yeah. a bottle or more, <laughs> you know, and it's like, woo, <laughs> man. Yeah. And uh, there's something different about a wine drunk, too. It's like oh, a slightly different. It is, especially red wine. Yes. Oh my god! Yeah, it's a head buzz. Like it is a, a head buzz. Whew. And yeah. I remember first time Pam and I got invited to a uh, a dinner a, a a dinner at a really nice restaurant here in right. town, and the owners of the restaurant invited us to yeah. this dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, we had the comedy club long enough that we were kind of, you know, getting you know respected. Right. Exactly. You know? So. A place that we really, I won't say couldn't afford, but shouldn't right. afford. <laughs> yeah. And so we went there, and everybody was super nice. But there was probably 10 people, 10 or 12. And it's the owner of the restaurant, who's a real wine right. connoisseur. And so this is one of those where it's five-course meal, and every course has a wine, and they're explaining right. the wine. It's that a wine dinner. Super right? fancy. Exactly. Yeah. So the owner... Uh, uh, wife, is so sweet, and uh, we'd known her her for a while, and she used to come to the club more. She before we ever got started, she was like, "Guys, pace yourself." <laughs> she goes, "Cause here's the deal tonight: your wine glass is never gonna be empty." Oh Jesus! Like it, it will yeah. never get too empty. Yeah, that good service. It will be yeah. like you'll get it down to about a third, yeah. and all of a sudden it'll be right back up, and you won't realize how much you've drank until yeah. you call the woman next to you a whore, uh, you know. And, but she was like, and she was so right, and you know. And, and we've been to a few. I mean, we've been to a bunch of those now, and and it's hard to pace yourself. Yeah, with those, oh, yeah. you yeah. know, because you're really not cognizant of how yeah. much you're drinking. You're just yeah. having fun and yeah. all that, and you, you just great wine, so it's going down so easy. And yeah. the next thing you know, you are fucking hammered. Yeah. And there's yeah. been some nights where it just goes down like water. Oh yeah, yeah it's like nothing. And Absolutely. Then, yeah. You know. There's, yeah, there's been. Some well, that's nights. those new fucking. Yeah. Uh, we just got them too. Oh, the, the, the white claws. Oh yeah. yeah, those are dangerous, dude. Of course. Yeah. Oh my god. Like I've seen people on the beach just crushing like twelve packs of themselves, and well, I'm like, you, well, they think that like, oh, it doesn't taste that. Well, you harsh. know, yeah. you know, the thing is, is like that. That's that typical thing of going. That's the alcohol companies trying to get young people to start drinking. Very when true. you start having the 
the the the fruity flavored yeah. fucking you know what I yeah. mean? And it's, it's like it's, that ain't for you know. And yeah. it's meant for the light drinker. Yeah, it's it not. Is. It's not a heavy it's targeted drink. To no, women. it's targeted to yeah. people that don't yes. drink as much, right. so they feel like they can all. Oh, I can crush these, and it's five yeah. percent fucking alcohol. It's more than a beer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's like what the fuck is wrong with you people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's crazy yeah. to me. Uh, no. Or like Bud Light with the drinkability. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, dilly dilly. Who are you marketing to? Come on. Yeah, and that still is amazing to me. <laughs> with all the craft beers that out there, all the choices that you have in beers. Just an amazing array of different wonderful right. beers. Still, Bud everywhere Light. in this damn country, Bud Light is your number one beer. Every bar I know, every you guy know, I know will tell you, Bud Light, baby. You know what my theory is behind that? They steadily place themselves as the default beer. Yeah, they do. Because I've noticed that from serving where I'll be like, they're like, well, what do you have? But I had a full bar back there, man. Like, I can make it pretty much anything you want. Yeah. And they start thinking about it, and then wheels start turning. And then, like, as soon as they feel like they get rushed, uh, Bud Light. Just bring me a Bud Light. Yeah. Well, you know, part That's of like, my buddies yeah. all ask about that, who I know yeah. like craft beers mm-hmm. and stuff. Sure. And I'll go, you still drink Bud Light? And they go, well, look, craft beers are heavy. Yes, exactly. They're heavy. They have a lot of alcohol. They're rich. They go, I can only drink about three or four or five of those at the most, and I'm getting full, and mm-hmm. you know, da da da. So they go, I'll have a couple of craft beers, you know, here sure. and there, but a Bud Light, I can drink twelve of them, motherfuckers. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they can, and you know, be and they're like, yeah, it's yeah. no big deal. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of water. Yeah, so, so I think a lot of it is mm. people that want to drink a lot of beer all day. Yeah, they want to drink a lot of beer. They, they'll stick yeah, with a light beer. It's cheaper. It's Bud Light's yes. at events yes. and stuff, like racing, football games, you're tailgating. They're, you know, you're playing they're golf. They're the activity Bud Light beer. Ultra. They're the activity that's, Yeah, beer. that's the activity of beer. Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Ultra, too. Like, like they're, like, trying to sell. Like, uh, I remember when they were doing the commercials with Lance Armstrong. Like, yes. Like he, like, he stops his race to drink <laughs> fucking Michelob Ultra. That's how they basically made it seem. Like, it's so light, even this guy drinks. So, like, yeah. bullshit. Uh, exactly. <laughs> the nonsense. Uber athlete that's yeah. going to have a Mick Ultra. Yeah. It's such Less a carbs. Yeah. Yeah. Such bullshit. This will get me to the top of the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. becoming an athlete tomorrow. That's what Olympic people drink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. They can't even look at beer like in the Olympics. All right, I'm going to I'm gonna go out here and watch the end of his show. Right. Start doing Let's wrap it up. No, it was good. This yeah, was good. Glad you joined us. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're gonna get on the open mic so we can yeah, let's take right. a look at you. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.